You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 355. Hey, hey, hello, everybody. We are so excited for this show. I'm always excited for our numbered shows because we have guests on the show. And this week is no different. We have guests on the Family Gamers Podcast that have been impacting our lives longer than we've been doing the Family Gamers Podcast. Yeah. So this is this is pretty crazy. We have on the show this week, Justin and Anne-Marie DeWitt, the brains behind Fireside Games. How are you doing this morning, today, afternoon, whatever it is? How you doing? <laughs> great. Thank you. It's <laughs> yeah, great to be very, here. Very good. Happy to be here. Yep. All right. Awesome. And of course, we are the Family Gamers. As always, I'm your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and this week... We're going to talk about all things Fireside. Obviously, that means we're going to be talking a whole bunch about Castle Panic this week on thefamilygamers.com. Lots of Castle Panic related content talking about the second edition and the big box, which is totally amazing. <laughs> and um, and so you should go over to thefamilygamers.com all week long because there's going to be a bunch of content. But of course, that's not how we open these podcasts. Anitra, how do we start these shows? You pull some random fact out of the air. I pull some random fact. Funny you say that. Out of the air, you say. Okay. Um, I was editing myself. <laughs> All right. Justin and Anne-Marie, have you ever heard of the Hellenic Air Force? I have not. No. All right. Yeah. Here we go. So, I, okay. I spent like 20 minutes trying to find a 355 and castle-related fact. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm impressed. Nope. Not on the internet. <laughs> I would have been impressed. Right. You know what is really annoying is there was a movie that came out last year called The 355. So mm. the first like 80 hits on Google were <laughs> right. this movie. That's all you're um, getting. But I, but I sifted through it and I found something about the Hellenic Air Force. So the Hellenic mm. Air Force uh, has one of Europe's largest fleets of firefighting aircraft. Ooh. Huh. Yeah. Hellenic means uh, like this is Greece or Greece in the surrounding something, area, right? Something like that, right. So um, on July 17th, 2023, these aircraft became the first responders to assist the Hellenic Fire Service in tackling one of the largest blazes the country had ever faced to date. Uh, let's see. So there's all sorts of really interesting information. The reason why I bring it up is because I have some other information about the 355th Tactical Transport Squadron. Sometimes you got to reach for these facts, you guys. <laughs> We're here for it. <laughs> All right. So the 355th Tactical Transport Squadron is their firefighting squadron. It has a rich history dating back 76 years. It has been pretty much in continuous service since 1947. Wow. Which is pretty cool. There's all sorts of really neat information on the internet. But of course, I bring this up and we'll talk about the second half of the show because although Fireside is most well-known for Castle Panic, you actually have a wildfire fighting game, which is yep. exactly what the 355th Tactical Squadron does. <laughs> that's a good that's, connection. That's, that's how I brought it in. What do you think? Yeah. You mentioned firefighting. I'm like, I know where he's going with this. Yeah. <laughs> These are air tankers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I did awesome. It. I bet they fly the Canada Air Bombers and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a fun game to do research on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're now wondering what the heck is Andrew talking about, 
We'll talk about that second half of the show. So you're going to have to stay tuned. Uh, But first, Anitra has a message from our sponsor. While First Move believes that with enough time and the right knowledge, everyone can manage their own finances, there are benefits to working with a professional. Navigating the complex world of personal finance can be overwhelming. A financial advisor acts as your compass, guiding you toward financial success. With their expertise, you'll gain tailored strategies to achieve your goals faster, whether it's saving for retirement, buying a home, or managing investments. A financial advisor helps you see the bigger picture, ensuring your decisions align with your aspirations. They should offer unbiased advice, optimize your tax efficiency, and adapt strategies to your changing circumstances. Partnering with a financial advisor empowers you to make informed choices and secure your financial future with confidence. If you want to see if working with a financial advisor can help your situation, set up a time to talk to First Move by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers today. All right. Thanks again to First Move for sponsoring this episode of the show. Now, now we get into the games. Game time. Game time. All right. Uh, so at this point in the show, we're going to talk about some games that we've been playing. Justin and Anne-Marie, you get to go first. Oh. What games have you been playing? You first, Anne-Marie. Uh, well, I mean, the honest answer is prototypes. We have been inundated with prototypes. And so we've been, you know, going through reviewing and, mm-hmm. and making some decisions and, and then also playtesting uh, games that we'll have coming out next year. So lots of rapid prototyping and development. So that so that's the honest answer, but um, we, I also well, you, like if, if you want to talk if you want to dish on something that's coming out next year, you could certainly do. That. <laughs> well, I probably should say like it's a little early to announce anything, but we will have prototypes at uh, BGGCon. So right. if folks want to like meet us up there, we'll be able to play test some things, and uh, we'll make our announcements when we hit the print button when it's off to right. off Very to the presses. Cool. So, yeah. cool. and we'll yeah. certainly yeah. talk about it on the Family Gamers podcast. That so. sounds great. That sounds great. <laughs> So, yeah. And then um, I would say probably, well, I'm going to mention two things. Uh, Another, you know, thing that I've been doing is every um, 4th of July, we go to the beach with our godkids. And so this year, I don't know, for some reason, and our godson loves board games. And so we we always play zombie kids with them. We finally finished Mm -hmm. that. Nice. Um, went through everything. And so I thought, you know what, I, I want to introduce them to some of kind of the like earlier mechanics and earlier games and kind of get some foundation laid for them. And um, so I introduced him to Mancala and he just Ooh, ate nice. it up. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. And he just ate it up. I loved it. Was beating everyone. And yeah, finally, really good at it. <laughs> I, yes. I finally beat him. So <laughs> that's all good. And yeah. how old is he? Uh, he's nine. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. he's he has a real mind for games. So, and then uh, we also introduced them to parks. We've been p- playing trails, and so I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, we should oh, play nice. parks," you know. So, right. yeah. mm-hmm. so those are the games I would say we've been awesome. playing. You are, by the way, like died in the wool family gamers because we always say like top ten, and then we it's like fourteen yeah. or something yeah. like yeah. that. So. <laughs> No problem with listing more than one. That is 100% okay. I actually found my childhood Mancala board the other day um, yeah. going through my mom's old stuff, which I was like, oh, I remember. It's like a this. giant board. It's like yeah. three feet long. Yeah, the one I oh, had, it's, wow. it's yeah. plastic, but it's like almost three feet across. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. It's big. Wow. It's big. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. all right. So what good. about you, Justin? 
Uh, well, as Emery said, a lot of prototypes, especially stuff I'm working on, uh, that's been a lot of fun. But I did, uh, with our god kids, I introduced them to Potion Explosion. They hadn't played that before. And I'd forgotten how much fun that is. That is <laughs> such a great little, it's so video gamey. They did such a good job of scratching that drop three itch thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That one just makes me super happy. And then we've been having a lot of fun also playing with them. Uh, primarily it's the dad and the son and I, um, we've been playing horrified a lot and I, I, I dig that. I'm a big co-op guy, obviously. So, and that one scratches a fun itch. I love Mm -hmm. the, uh, the theme and the running around and grabbing the bits and all that. I just think that's really good. It's, uh, I've only, I've only played the, uh, traditional one with universal monsters. Haven't done the American monster one yet, but that's on my list, but that's been really fun to get. So a little, little bit of both there. I have to ask this question. Have you heard about the third horrified that's coming out? I have not. What are they going to do? Greek monsters. Oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So Minotaurs, I got that, Cyclops and stuff. Yeah, nice. I press release and immediately emailed them saying, Hey, so give me, give me, give me, give me. Hopefully we'll be getting that in for review and we'll be able to talk about that. Our, 12 year old and we've talked about this on the show but he is very Mildly ridiculously obsessed. into greek everything including biology. Oh, nice. he's i mean i'm trying to learn german on duolingo because i went to essen and couldn't talk to anybody <laughs> he's trying to learn greek on duolingo like oh. like so we can I, talk I, to monsters yeah right yeah. <laughs> so good yeah yeah but um so we were gonna the, the first press release we talked about we're like this is an automatic christmas present yeah. and then the second press release came out and i'm like you know what you just send an email. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So so we're on board with Horrified. Those are uh it's just it's a great series. It's so so good. Mm-hmm. I do have to ask a question about Potion Explosion. Do you have the newer one with the plastic? Do I do. Okay. I, I didn't even realize I, that's the one I'd gotten. Uh, I played it years ago with the little chipboard version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, yeah, the plastic one, I open up, I'm like, oh, it's so fancy. It's so much <laughs> nice. It's not falling apart every, yes. every time you touch it. <laughs> it's so sturdy. And it has the cool little drawer in the back where you can put the marbles and all mm-hmm. that. It's really well thought out. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of one of those things where, oh, it probably should have been that way from the beginning, but I totally get why they went chipboard to save cost and everything. But yeah, it's so yeah. nice. Yeah. Actually, that, a nature that makes me think, um, since I'm not going to go turn around and buy another copy of Potion Explosion, just for the plastic thing. You're thinking about 3D printing, <laughs> I, aren't you? I am. We got a 3D printer last weekend. Oh, so. man. <laughs> <laughs> We've already printed uh, one board game insert. Yep. Nice. Oh, yep. Wow. There's a 13-hour print going right now. It's <laughs> oh, all good oh, stuff. Fun. All good stuff. Yeah. All right. Anitra, over to you. Hmm. I see the list that you put in there, and I'm going to talk about something different. That's so. fine. <laughs> <laughs> so... I was out with said 12-year-old this past weekend, and we ended up at a cafe, and I was like, oh, just so you know, I brought this whole collection of little wallet-sized games. Let's play a few. So we played some Skulls of Sedlek, which both of us really enjoy. This is a, um, you're kind of building a pyramid of cards with skulls on them. (laughs) Uh, It's, it seems a little uh, gruesome, but it's actually based on a real place where, there are these, it's not called a mortuary. What is Oshuary. it? Ossuary. Ossuary. These ossuaries where there are really like whole rooms built out of bones. And it's on the face of it, a pretty simple game. You're drawing cards. You're putting them in your little pyramid. When your pyramid's done, it's time to score. And each skull scores differently depending on like what class of skull it belongs to. There's peasants and royals and... Um, merchants and all kinds of stuff like that. And each one of them has a different condition on how they score. So that was fun. And he won, but not very, not by very much. And we enjoyed it. And then I was like, all right, time to learn a new game or new to us anyway. And that was another button shy game called stew. This was really cool 
Um, it's one of those games that takes that 18 card restriction and really figures out just how far they can push it. Stew is kind of a deduction game, but it's a deduction with limited information. You're going to have to make a decision before you've completely deduced what's going on. There are six vermin, they call them, <laughs> trying to steal the ingredients from your stew and 12 ingredient cards. Everybody on their turn literally just draws the top ingredient card from the deck and then decides either they're going to add it to the stew pot face down or they're going to cover up one of the vermin. In this stage, you don't you don't have to feed the vermin their like preferred food. You can cover them up with anything and it just you're making them go away. At some point, somebody playing the game has to decide to call stew, at which point you find out what's actually in the stew pot. But first, you uncover the stew pot and then you feed all of the remaining vermin uh, if their preferred ingredients are in the stew pot. Hopefully the vermin aren't in the stew. <laughs> no, the vermin are not in the stew. The only meat that could be in the stew is the chicken, which the fox will steal if the chicken is in the stew. But if you've managed to cover the fox, then the vagrant <laughs> will basically take points off of the stew because he likes having chicken stew. But the vagrant, if there's no chicken in the stew, will actually give you points because he's like, oh, no, no, thanks. None for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's this whole back and forth, even at two players, I would think it would get even wackier at three and four players of you're trying to figure out, are there enough things in the stew yet so that if I call stew that we are going to uncover it and there's going to be, we're going to hit a certain point threshold, at which point I win. Great. If you haven't hit that point threshold, then everybody else basically gets a point and the first person to five points wins. Hmm. So it's this it's this back and forth of like, I know what I put in, but I don't know what they put in. And huh. so yeah. so you've got some information and you're trying to deduce from what people have done what's yeah. going on. But yeah. Asher won three rounds in a row um, and <laughs> oh. just absolutely destroyed me at this game. Yeah. <laughs> if you look in the family gamers community and nature posted mm-hmm. a bunch of pictures of Asher getting progressively happier as he won game after game, <laughs> after game, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> it was a good day. Right. Yeah. I need to get some tips from him on how to beat mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how delighted the kids get when they beat their parents. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, we, we get the question a lot at the family gamers, like, how do you get your kids into board games? Yeah. And like our answer is basically just be excited about playing board games. Yes. And yes. the more energy you put into it, like the more mm-hmm. your kids will respond to that energy. Yeah. yeah. And that, that also means if you put negative energy into it, right, then yeah. your kids are going to yeah. respond to that, yeah. too. So yeah. when they win and you're not a miserable wretch about losing, that's a <laughs> yes. great place to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Teaching them not exactly. to be too gloaty about it is another issue. It, it's yeah, helpful. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> the way that we've resolved that one in our family is that the winner cleans up. Oh, oh I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, or or mom and dad do just because. Well, it's kind of nice. the more gloaty they are, the more sure it is that they're going to have to clean up. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if they're a very good sport and they're like, oh no, that like I won the game, which is awesome, but I really have to go do this other thing. <laughs> then that's yeah, right. yeah. We're I mean, it's it's a soft rule. It's yeah. a soft yeah, yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Love All it. All right. Um, well, if everybody else is going to talk about two games, and so am I, darn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first one, this one will go quick. We played a four-player, three-player three. game, three-player game of Baron Park. 
uh, with all of the expansions, the Bad, New Be- Bad News Bears expansion. Mm. Um, I Both think Phil Walker Harding has made a lot of games that I like, and I think Baron Park is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, it's it's like multiplayer, like more than two player patchwork in a lot of ways. It has mm-hmm. a lot of the same kind of DNA to it. Have you played much Baron Park? Yeah, uh, just big, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really like it. Yeah. yeah. So the the expansion Bad News Bears, there's two kind of modules to it. I really like the module mm-hmm. system, um, uh-huh. which works well with Castle Panic, by the way, <laughs> um, where you can be like, oh, I want to use this. I want to use that, whatever. In Bad News Bears, there's the Grizzly Bears and there's the Monorail. So the way the Monorail. Grizzly Bears work. What? Monorail. Monorail. <laughs> yeah. The way the Grizzly Bears work is there's a whole extra set of tiles, which are like even more uh, complex, but also higher point value than. Also large. They're very the, yes, large. Um, <laughs> than the, the highest ones in the base game. And in order to get those, because they don't want to replace all the boards, of course, uh, you would trade in a um an animal house and a greenery space that you have it kind of in your reserve you would trade those in at any point during your turn for one of these grizzly tiles and then you could you know kind of continue and do whatever so it's an extra little piece it doesn't take another action or anything but it's kind of an extra piece so as you're working the geometry of your park you can try to work these things in and and then you know it just means basically if you like the mechanics of barren park it's more barren park yeah. Um, the monorail is a little bit different monorails. They add these towers. Everybody gets allocated some number of towers, depending on player count. And when you put a green space down, you may put a tower on it. And when you have two towers that are two spaces apart, so it would be, um, you know, green space with a tower space, space, green space with a tower. You can take these monorail pieces, which just like everything else in Baron park, the sooner you take them, the higher their point value. Mm, right. Um, and you, kind of hook them on between the two towers and that is just an extra thing that gives you points the gotcha on it is you can't ever make loops and you can't ever make straight lines so if you connect two towers you can't continue in a straight line to the next tower so you're Mm. always you're trying to fit these green spaces in strategically around and you're always you know making right angles all kind of all over the place in order to fit these things in yeah it adds another puzzle layer on top of the the existing Baron Park, whereas Grizzly Bears is more like, let's just make the puzzle more challenging, mm-hmm. but it's still basically the same puzzle. Yep. They also add um, exit map tiles. So your fifth tile, I think. Yeah, that goes with the Grizzlies. You have towers, to have a fifth tile because the Grizzly mm. tiles are so yeah. huge. So when you pull your fifth tile, it has to be one of these exit tiles. Um, and then you put that down. And just like the entrance has a little extra lip at the bottom, the exit has a little extra lip at the top. It's just whatever. Uh, so that's Baron Park. That's the kind of game that I'm really good at. So I <laughs> killed everyone. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Very badly at that one. But the other game that we played that I want to talk about is Raw. So this is an old Reiner Kinesia game. It was republished yeah. by 25th Century Games. Uh, this, I mean, it in a lot of ways feels like a classic game. You know, sometimes when games get republished uh, and you, you play them, you're like, oh, I, yeah, I can feel how this feels like it's from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a bad thing. It's just kind of like the just the the ebb and the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. So this is a it's a bidding game where you're placing these tiles into this kind of auction row, and then at some point, either a tile comes up that forces an auction, or someone can force an auction by claiming raw, and then everybody bids from the four tiles that they have on their player board, and you know they they get all the tiles that are in the auction row plus whatever tile was previously put there from a bid. Your bid values, you're not just like one, two, five, whatever. It's whatever your four bidding tiles are. Those are the bid values. And everybody can see them. And everybody knows what they are. Mm-hmm. 
So you can look over and, and say, well, I have a tile that's higher than two of theirs, but lower than their highest one. So if I put this in order for them to beat me, they're going to be giving up their highest potential bid for this round, right? So you can do all of those strategic pieces with this game. And all the tiles that you win, they match up with kind of like different scoring rules, almost like a Sushi Go or or a, like a Draftosaurus or something where the, the way they slot in um, affect different scoring mechanics. So that's the kind of the game. And it's really interesting. We played it at three players. I really like it. But the one thing I got to say about this game is that Chad and 25th Century hit a Barry Bonds-esque like home run out of the park into the next state with like the art and mm. the component quality on this game. It is uh. unreal. Like yeah. this is one of the nicest. It, the art's done by Ian O'Toole, who did he's I mean, he's you know, he's done a ton of, of board games. It's just great art. The component quality is just out of this world. The mm. the book just feels like it's this like really nice like linen finish uh, book. The raw token has, I think, might be the largest wooden token I have ever seen in a board <laughs> game ever. It's enormous. Um, we joke with Magic. Do you ever play Magic Maze? Yes. Uh, so yes, so did, Magic yeah. Maze has this giant red pawn that you're, you, you know, you, do something you're supposed yeah. to place it in front yeah. of somebody, but nobody ever does that. You're like pounding it in front yeah. of someone to get their attention. Yeah. And it's this big yeah. thing. The raw token is even bigger than that. Nice. Right. It's just, I mean, it's just nice. The whole, everything about the game is just really, 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 really nice. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah. So that's raw. It's super fun. <laughs> I want to play it at more players. And then I also want to play it at two because I'm really interested in how the mechanics kind of work out for that. And that's something we do with our reviews anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two games for me, Baron Park and raw. Those are kind of Very my cool. big big ones for the last couple of weeks i like that they gave uh, a classic like that such a, a nice treatment you know that mm-hmm. that's that it's almost like it's respectful of the heritage of this game rod that's very cool yeah, yeah well he also did uh, 25th century also republished toot and common which oh, there you go. i think was another kinesia game and and that one looked great but this one is a step <laughs> above i mean it's uh-huh. it's really it's it's impressive it's very impressive that's i don't nice. know if he did a deluxe version and a retail version but if this isn't the, the deluxe version I, I'm just walking away from the table because I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you even do? Yeah. yeah, it's really great. All right. So that's some games. So why don't we do this? We'll take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we're, it's it's all fireside all the time. What do you guys think of that? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back. I love two-player abstract games, and I especially love the type where you need to get four or five pieces in a row. There's something so refreshing about these games. The rules are simple, the goal is obvious, but there's layers of strategy to uncover between you and your opponent. I especially love them when they're a delight on the eyes. A coffee table game, one might say. And we've got one of those today. This is a snap review for Kawale, a new abstract game from Gigamic. Koale was designed by Romain Forger and Didier Lenain Bragard. It's for exactly two players, like you and me. <laughs> it's for ages eight and up, and it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to play. So let's talk about the art in Koale. It looks like a lot of other Gigamic abstract games. Three colors of beautiful, simple wooden pieces and a black game board. In this case, all the pieces are designed to look like flat river rocks. The instructions call these pebbles. They're pleasant to hold and to stack. They're just lovely, as we've come to expect from Gigamic. 
So why are the pebbles in these three colors, and what do we do with them? Let's talk about the mechanics of this game. The board starts with a stack of two of these yellow pebbles in each corner. One player takes the eight red pebbles, and the other player takes the eight light-colored pebbles. On your turn, you place one of your pebbles onto a stack of at least one other pebble. Then you lift the whole stack, move one space on the board, left, right, up, down, and drop the bottom pebble onto that space. Move one more space and drop the next pebble. Keep doing this until you've placed every pebble from the stack. You are not allowed to double back to the space you just left, but you can loop around to that space again if you have at least four pebbles in your stack. Win the game by creating a line of four pebbles in your color, in a row, in a column, or diagonal, all on the top of their respective stacks. So Anitra, what did we expect from Kowale? I've really enjoyed other abstract games from Gigamic, like Corridor and Quarto, which we reviewed about a year ago. I was really excited for Kowale with its Mancala-like playstyle. I love how all of these games are full of simple and beautiful wooden pieces. They look great on the table, and they're really easy to explain how to play. I had seen people playing Kowale before we reviewed it, so I knew it was kind of a logical abstract game, like a lot of Gigamic stuff, that involved multiple steps on a turn. One of those easy-to-understand, difficult-to-master kind of things. <laughs> yeah. That leads into our surprises. <laughs> Although Koala starts with a wide open board, like many of these abstracts do, you don't actually have very many choices at the beginning of the game. You have to go into one of those four corner stacks. As more pebbles are added and the stacks get higher, your possible decision space actually gets larger and larger. I wasn't expecting that at all. This also isn't primarily a pattern recognition game like Quarto or Quantic are. Instead, you need to be looking ahead at how you can distribute a stack of pieces and figure out how to maneuver to get the pieces where you want them to be. It feels kind of like chess to me. I could usually figure out what moves I did not want to make, but figuring out what I did want to do was a lot harder. It's funny that you bring up chess because that was exactly my thought when considering Kowale. This is definitely the most chess-like of any of their abstracts so far, in my opinion. With most of their other games, your turn is a single step. In Corto, you place one of the columns. In Corridor, you either place a piece or you move your pawn. In Quantic, you place a shape, etc., etc. But with Kowale, there's so much more to watch out for. Yeah, you only place one piece, but as you direct what I call the falling of the column, right, it could go anywhere. It forces you to look ahead many, many turns and project where you think your opponent might want to go potentially, maybe, not just the one thing that you're doing and then the one thing that they're going to do in response. And that is a lot like chess. So, Andrew, would we recommend Koale? Well, it's an interesting new entry into the world of abstract games. It's best for players who want a game that forces them to look a few moves ahead, like mm -hmm. we said before. And it's a game that you can grow into for a long time, discovering new strategies, new little tricks, and ways to maneuver within those simple rules. We're going to rate Koale four pebbles out of five. And that's Koale in, in a, a snap. snap. And we're back with... Justin and Anne-Marie DeWitt. Uh, and we have to start by asking about Castle Panic. So <laughs> tell us about how Castle Panic 
came to be. Came to be, right? Uh, <laughs> so I had been making games since I was a kid. Uh, it was just, a, I was one of those weird kids, uh, that did that stuff, uh, and, uh, kind of, uh, fell out of that when video games showed up and started doing other things. But then uh, a friend of ours introduced us to Settlers of Catan and I was like, whoa, games have changed a lot. You can do a lot more. <laughs> and so we went, I kind of went back to the drawing board and it was just, it literally just sparked something in me. I started making more games and revisiting even old ideas and stuff, but, uh, started tinkering with stuff and I was making kind of more traditional, you know, you versus me team games and all that. And I had one I was working on as a giant robot combat game. And there were moments where people would cooperate usually to beat up on another guy. But in order for them to like play their cards together and stuff, it was really cool. There was this synergy that happened. I was like, man, that's neat. I wonder if I could make a game where you did that on purpose and went back to the drawing board and thought about it, you know, shower thoughts, things like that. And eventually started coming up with, okay, I've got this idea for like, things are coming at you and you have to stop them but what is it and at one point it was we're on a spaceship and we're shooting asteroids or ironically this is really what cracks me up is we're in a body and we're fighting off an infection <laughs> all right <laughs> hey listen, yeah, yeah. Game there. see see good idea so much big game out of that uh various other ideas went around but one of the things that was always tricky is like well why and why do i care and how's this working and then it kind of clicked like wait what if we were in a castle and goblins and orcs and trolls and type stuff were coming i was like oh yeah that's perfect everybody wants to keep the castle alive you all have a common goal and all that so started cranking away on a prototype and figuring out how it was going to work and all that brought it to the table for the first time and it was hot garbage nothing worked everybody was not cooperating it was terrible and i put it away and i was like it's a dumb idea i don't even want to work on it anymore and then of course i kept working on it so uh years pass uh because this was literally a, an evening and weekend hobby at that point this was just something i did now and then so there are years where i would touch it maybe three times a year or something like yeah, that and so. with no with no intention of ever publishing this it was just yeah, no. like for fun with friends yeah. yeah this was a hobby i had on the weekends i I want to make a game. And, and part of it was like, I was getting that point where, well, now I want to make it work. Cause like, sure. I had an idea, but what I came out with was unplayable. So let's fix that. So, cause I'm very stubborn that way. And uh, <laughs> so went back and forth and started uh, doing things. Like one of the big things we did is we took originally the towers that um, represented the people were in between the walls and like an outer ring of the castle. And you were in charge of your tower and the monsters would come at various walls. So you were inclined to defend the walls to your left and your right. And it didn't work at all. Everybody just defended their, own walls there was no uh, why should i help you i just want to keep my wall safe but then of course you lost and it wasn't enough to get people to play together so we banged our heads on it for a while and finally pulled the towers inside the castle made the walls just be a ring and then we took people out of the game you don't have a piece you are not this particular tower you are now just the castle quote unquote and that really brought the game kind of into focus that was where people were like okay we're a team i'm happy to give you my cards because we have to survive and then the co-op element really popped at that point i should say this is back in like the early 2000s so you weren't playing a lot of cooperative games out there there were yeah. there was only one on the market at the time yeah. Yeah, the Rainer Knizia Lord of the Rings one. Um mm -hmm. this is before pandemic even and stuff. So we were just mm -hmm. cranking away on this and we kept working on it, refining it. I kept figuring out how we're going to, you know, uh, what are the monsters going to be? How are they going to work? Emery's the one who came up with the cool triangle spinny thing by the way. We were driving back on a road trip where I think we had tried stacking poker chips that didn't work yeah. at all. And she's like, "Well, they only go up to 3, don't they?" I was like, yeah, I think so. What if they were triangles? Like, what? That's crazy. Wait, let's try that. <laughs> and then boom, that was it with the rotating triangle thing. So yeah. it, get, it kept getting cleaned up like that. And we started having friends that we would play with say, hey, when you're coming this weekend, bring that castle game. I was like, oh, oh, we've got something. This isn't just my thing anymore. And uh, so we put some work into it. And we, we got to a point where it was it was doing really, really well. And then at the same time, 
the job I had in multimedia, basically the market was crashing. The tech industry was going through one of its big collapses. And being in Austin, that was a big deal. That cleaned out most people I knew. And I was lucky enough that my job was laying people off, but let me know I was going to be laid off in a few months. They wanted to keep me around as one of the last people to kind of shore up a few projects. I was like, okay, I have advanced warning. And I remember talking to Emery, like, I can look for another tech job in an industry that's literally dying, or we could go and pull the trigger on this game thing because, uh, you always like, we should do that. We should totally do that. And mm-hmm. in the meantime, I ended up getting a job at Steve Jackson Games for a while and learned a ton about how to uh, make games and how distribution works and how to get things published and what conventions are worth going to and all that and, and what printers were good to work with. So we accumulated all this knowledge. My background was graphic design and illustration, and I knew how to get things printed. So we had that covered. Emery's background is writing and creative stuff like that. And so we had editing and such. And I just realized we have a company. And not only that, I had a list of about a dozen game ideas, and they were all in the orbit of Castle Panic. They weren't all cooperating like that. But basically, we realized we had a brand. That was the big thing. It's like, we don't have just one game. We have a brand. And so we looked at pitching it to other companies. Nothing really clicked. Even Steve Jackson Games was like, nah, it's the wrong kind of feel for you guys. Nobody else was doing quite what we wanted to do with this, um, especially with the idea of it being such a gateway game and with the idea of possibly expanding it out to be more than that. So we... uh, we pulled the trigger and uh, decided we would make our own company. Uh, this was before Kickstarter or anything. We just saved up a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, primarily, I think it was my salary while Emery was working. And then mm-hmm. we wrote a really big, scary check and we printed the game. And we were told, you know, well, you're an unknown designer. It's an unknown game. You've probably got, you know, years worth of inventory. And we're like, cool, better to regret something we have done than something we haven't. And then we sold out in 10 weeks. And my job became quick, get more games and get them now. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in uh, 2009 when we launched the game. And it has been gangbusters ever since then. That's so great. <laughs> um, it, it's actually funny you mentioned Lord of the Rings and pandemic because i had pulled up the cooperative board game page on wikipedia because i was curious i was like well (laughs) what games are there Mm -hmm. um and i'll just include this fact in 1903 elizabeth maggi patented the landlord's landlord's game game. yeah which inspired by the principles and philosophy of henry george Uh blah 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 um so cooperative games have been around for a long time they just have oh yeah surviving oh, yeah. the market <laughs> oh yeah no, yeah, no. And there, there was a big boom in the 70s and 80s also yeah. and then it went away mm-hmm. and then by the time we published castle panic um there was only two other ones on the market right. so yeah no i don't mean to suggest that no, it no, was no, no. like the first in but, history or anything like oh, that. No, no. raise your yeah. hand if you owned the star trek next generation vcr game i a friend oh. did <laughs> I didn't know, but a friend did. So, um, man, that got a lot easier when DVDs came cooperative, out. That one was by yeah. modern standards. What is yeah. that? Which one? Yeah. Uh, the Star Trek VCR game. Oh, nice. Okay. By, yeah, yep. by modern standards, it was not a cooperative game. Um, yep. But it is the kind of game where you had to cooperate for about the first 80% of the game and oh, okay. kind of make a break for it in the last like 15 minutes and be like no i'm gonna win i'm gonna win (laughs) right right that reminds me of uh when gargoyles was a hot show they had a thing uh a cooperative game you had to you could play with the videotape as i recall and it was vaguely cooperative uh it was vaguely a game but anyway yeah Yeah. well and which also featured half of the cast in the next generation so there you go (laughs) see exactly exactly I'll jump in a different direction with star trek and say that so there's a couple of other like kind of branded castle panic games which are dead panic and star trek panic Mm -hmm. which i have never played either one and i am genuinely curious how they're different 
Oh, dramatically. Uh, well, it was also Munchkin Panic, which was a licensed one we did with Steve Jackson Games. So there's oh, three there of them. Yeah. Right. Uh, Emery, you want to talk about some of those? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, well, uh, with Dead Panic, that was another one we did uh, fully in-house um, with no other IP. And um, everyone kept asking us you know, for like a zombie version of it. And we you know, thought they just mean a reskin. And we just, we're against reskinning. It's like... You know, just if you want the experience, you know, then this is the game, you know. So um, Justin decided that people really do, you know, want some kind of zombie experience with, you know, these kind of core mechanics. And so he really thought through like what, um, you know, how how can we make it so that it really feels like a kind of zombie experience that you're wanting. And so he kind of turned the design inside out. So now instead of defending something in the middle, you actually do have characters that are in the cabin in the center of the board. And um, you're trying to get radio pieces to uh, assemble and call out for a rescue van that's going to drive up in the forest. And you have to all run out from the cabin into the van to to escape. Mm. And so, you know, meanwhile, while you're, you know, uh, waiting for these radio pieces to pop up, they're coming with these survivors that are carrying them. And the survivors come out of the, the monster drawback. You're also drawing these zombies, which um, also can smell you. And so it's when they move, they're going to rotate toward, you know, the nearest human, you know, that they either can see or hear. And so you're trying to get these um, weapons and items and things that you're finding in the cabin to fight off the zombies and keep the stand as long as you can while you're assembling those pieces and, and getting out to the van. And one of the fun things that I really like about it <clears throat> is that if you are um, uh, bitten, like you get two two chances. Not you know normally you only get one chance. You know, <laughs> but if you if you get bitten twice, you know hit by a zombie and you're damaged, then um, you uh, die and come back in the game as a zombie. And so now you're playing on the zombie side, <laughs> and you get to customize your you get two special abilities and you get to customize those. And so now you're fighting against everyone else. Hmm. So you still can have a win condition. You know if you <laughs> you help take down your former favorite. <laughs> fellow yeah. players, you know, you're able to win the game. So it's like a trader mechanic, but not uh, desired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's sort of a compensation yeah. trader. Well, as long as you're not yeah. out of the game, you yeah. still get to play. Yeah. <laughs> and it's extremely cinematic. One of my favorite memories is we were playing it at a convention with this um, uh, father and son. And um, after the game was over, um, the son said, uh, dad, I can't believe you. Um, uh, chopped me up with a chainsaw, and he said, "Son, I had to. You were a zombie." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Where, where else do you yeah, get right. the dialogue?" Right. You know? So I just love that. So, Justin, do you want to tell him about Star Trek Panic? Yeah, yeah. So that was a super fun one too. Uh, we had bumped into uh, the gang from uh, uh, USopoly. They were uh, looking for licensed type stuff and they, they really liked Castle Panic. And we got to talking about, yeah, let's talk about doing something. That'd be great. And they gave us a call. It was so funny. They were like, well, we've got a, a possible IP, but it's going to be um, uh, photos, not illustrations. Is that okay? And I was, of course, like, well, sure. Yeah, we're not that picky. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm like, what it could be? Could it be? And then they came back. I think it was after Toy Fair. I forget what it is now. But they came yeah. back and they said, so we want to make a Star Trek panic. And my concern was this was right when the J.J. Abrams movies were coming out. And as great mm-hmm. as those are, I'm an old school Star Trek fan. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess we'll make a J.J. Abrams. And then they casually dropped, because it's the 50th anniversary of the original series, to which I'm like, stop, done. I'm in. Fuck and Kirk all day. Let's do this. So, yeah, it was really fun. They were doing a series of games based on the 50th anniversary, um, and two of them were pretty traditional. I think it was a Yahtzee and a Trivial Pursuit, and they wanted a third that was more strategy-based, and they really wanted to redo Castle Panic. So 
I worked with Andrew Wolf over there and we went round and round on a couple of ideas. And then I went head down and made a, like a prototype version. We rewatched the entire yeah. original series. Had to do to research. Get inspiration. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I have a notebook. Fair, unlike any other Star Trek, that's not going to take you all that long. Yeah. Right. It, it was surprisingly long, but but mostly because I was making notes along the way of like, okay, this right. is the thing that happens, and Spock does this and stuff. So, and being a hardcore fan anyway, it was not hard to do, but I wanted to soak the theme into this thing. This was not going to be a repaint. So, it's not. Um, the biggest differences are instead of having a castle, you have the Enterprise, and it's built on a... Um, uh, hexagon with its six sides just like a uh, regular castle panic except now you have shields that are there instead of walls sure. um shields can be like rebuilt you can repair your shields and bring them back up the enterprise is a 3d fold and tuck tab a slot b chipboard model it's they did a beautiful job over there at the op they did such a good job because what's really cool is you place these pieces on top of it that look so it looks clean and shiny and then as it gets damaged because instead of just losing it the way you lose towers in castle panic you have damage that you can repair and then you have destroyed the parts come off of of the Enterprise, and it's all burning and smoking and blown up underneath. And okay. if you lose all six pieces, the Enterprise is destroyed and you lose the game. Uh, the other cool thing is you can rotate the ship. It's built on a kind of a Lazy Susan type system, where it rotates so it can face different hexes, and that's used to simulate both movement and give you control over your firing arcs, because now it's all done with phasers and torpedoes. Phasers can shoot left, right, forward, and back, but torpedoes only shoot forward. And then you, there's missions uh, in the game, there's characters in the game that are based exactly on the crew. They all have their own ability, and the missions are taken right out of the tv show uh you literally have to like you know fight the uh, doomsday machine you uh uh nice. you have to go uh, rescue people that are in episodes and stuff it's very fun very thematic mm-hmm. and uh did did pretty well it was a, it was a fun thing to work on and it looks gorgeous the only bad mm-hmm. thing now is it's out of print so if you're looking for a copy because i got y'all excited i'm sorry maybe <laughs> ebay or something but yeah <laughs> it's uh it's been fun we, we we keep in touch with the op uh never say never it may come back but that one was particularly because of the 50th anniversary sure. so yeah. there were some very specific you know marketing needs and things they were looking for so i don't know quite if those uh all the venn diagram will line up again hmm. well i don't want to get too off topic but i have to ask are you watching strange new worlds have you watched any of the show i'm not yet we don't have paramount plus but i've yeah. heard it's really good <laughs> I, I have we're we're a couple shows in we're, so we're not exactly um killing it either however last week uh, a friend of mine shared with me a short that they did which was basically um, the genesis of tribbles yeah how the tribbles oh, nice. became tribbles nice oh, it was amazing um it was pretty good that's Pretty awesome. Funny. That is one of the missions in the Star Trek Panic too, where yeah. you have to you win by beaming them over to a Klingon ship. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. Well, so it's interesting. All the stuff that you described with both of those games really made me think about Crowns and Quests and a lot of the stuff that's in Crowns and Quests, because I'm almost hearing you describe some of that stuff yep. that you end up finding in that game. Uh, that being said, what was the like a little flag that went that said we should do a second edition of this game? Because obviously a lot of what we're talking about uh, this week on the familygames.com is all the new art, all the new treatment, all the mm-hmm. new stuff that has gone into the second edition. So just what was kind of that process like? Obviously, Castle Panic's been crushing it for 14 years. Is that how the math works? Yeah, yeah, 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. But what was it that made you say, like, let's do it again? <laughs> well, uh, distributors had been asking us for a long time for a refresh on it. Um, and um, we wanted to do a deluxe version for the fans. And we thought, well, that's the perfect opportunity, you know, to kind of re refresh it all is do our first Kickstarter and 
you know, get a deluxe version out there and use that as a way of really announcing this big art change. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it was a lot to bite off at at one time, you know, and it's eaten our time for the last, you know, couple of years. So, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, we were really happy we did it and really happy with how it's turned out. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the Castle Panic Deluxe Edition for people who don't know what this is, because I made reference (laughs) to the big box, which I have, but the big box is not the yeah. big box. Yes, yeah. yes. We, we like to describe them as big, bigger, and biggest when it comes to uh, deluxe <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, deluxe is the result of basically for, oh, I don't know, almost a decade, people saying, we really want a version with minis. When are you going to make a version with minis? And we're like, we're not really a minis company. We don't really want to, but we understand. I'll put you down as a person interested. And that, that list just got too long. Uh, mm-hmm. And for the 10th anniversary, the plan was, let's do that. So uh, uh, it didn't quite work out on timing as the 10th anniversary. Things took longer than we wanted. We actually launched um, a Kickstarter for just a deluxe version of Castle Panic. And by deluxe, what that means is everything got upgraded. Like Amory said, this was um, an art revision head to toe. Every piece of art is different. Uh, all the graphic design got tweaked because we wanted to make the cards more user friendly. We wanted to make them a little easier to um, uh, uh, hold in your hand in terms of iconography. We wanted to do some changes to the board. And I'm sure you guys will cover all this, but this is the, these are all the thoughts that went in and would have like, let's hit everything we need to uh, address some colorblind issues, get better representation, uh, more diversity. And also let's, um, if we're going to do this, then let's go deluxe. And that's where we went, okay, then everything becomes a mini. So there's like very little cardboard in this game. Everything has been turned into a plastic wall, a plastic tower. There's a plastic fortification that hangs over. There's a little rubbery tar that goes around the monsters to hold them in place. And the monsters were the big thing because when we wanted to make this, we realized there's a ton of monsters in here. There, all those little cardboard tokens that just get thrown in a bag are now monster minis, and they are sculpted by some of the best people in the industry. And they're really, really cool. They match the new art. They've got little, you know, leather straps on and hooks and spikes and their, their hammers and all that. And then the really fun thing we did is we wanted to be able to track health the same way we do in the game, but instead of rotating the monster so his back is to the castle, we built a, a little peg and plug uh, 3D bottom base that spins. So now you can keep the monster facing the tower and spin the bottom to track their health. That was, uh, that was quite a thing. Uh, and that's done to every monster in the game. So, <laughs> so much. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. So we were going to do yeah. just castle panic. And then we figured we'd do another Kickstarter for wizard's tower and blah, blah, blah. Cause we know not everyone wants everything, but most people do want a lot of stuff. And we were completely wrong by like day two, <laughs> people were yelling at us going, no, 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 we want everything in one big box. And we're like, oh, okay, we're done. So we actually canceled the pro canceled the Kickstarter. Uh, it was already funded and everything, but it was like, no, 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 we're going to do this. We're going to do this right. And I told everybody it's going to take us like a year. Cause all I have is castle panic. The other expansions aren't done, and I'm working on a new one that I'm not even done with the paper version yet. So, mm. yeah, time passes, and we keep posting updates, and we finally launched the uh, Castle Panic Deluxe Collection, which is everything that's ever been done for Castle Panic, including Crowns and Quest, in that deluxe format I was describing. So every piece of the castle is now a deluxe plastic tower. Every monster has a spinny base. Every uh, There's a boulder that you can roll. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And mm. the tricky part then is we knew not everybody was going to want everything. So we split it up into about like nine or 10 different packages, but you can get just castle panic deluxified. You can get just wizard's tower and just add those together and be done. But what people really wanted was the deluxe collection. And it is a giant suitcase size box <laughs> that is literally the, everything we've made is in it. It is massive. There's over like 280 pieces of plastic in it. Uh, it weighs like 17 pounds. It's it's crazy and it's amazing. It's so fun to dig through because it's four layers deep of trays full of minis and components and bits and cards and it's just 
let's put it this way. It's the fanciest version we've ever made and maybe the fanciest we'll ever make. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have the big box, which has all of the content in it. Yeah. But it's a little bit less insane. Right. It's yes. like the cardboard version. Yes. Right. Still, yeah. a, still a big box, but yeah. Uh, yeah. no. Box. Yeah. yeah. And the, what's funny is we did a wood collection because uh, during the mid campaign, we had fans say, oh, I love the castle and the walls, but I don't want 200 monsters to paint. Can I get one with just these nice wood tokens? Because that's one of the deluxe things we did. When you reach into the bag, now you pull out a nice deluxe wood triangle that you could play with or you can replace it with the mini. Well, we had people that wanted just that wood version. So we went back to the factory and worked on a bunch of stuff and figured out how to make a box that's just all the castle bits are plastic and then everything else is wood triangles. That's our... So so big box is big. Wood collection is bigger. Deluxe collection is biggest. So <laughs> we got the mama, papa bear, and baby bear. So right, that there. is a lot of options. Yes, yes it is. Okay, so the next thing I have to ask about, um, I alluded to it with our fact at the top of the show, <laughs> is that Castle Panic is not the only thing. By the way, I did spend about 20 minutes looking for blimp-related 355. Oh, nice. I could not find those. <laughs> nice. Um, but talk about some of the other stuff that Fireside has done. Oh, sure. Yeah. After Castle Panic, kind of our you know biggest seller is here, Kitty Kitty. And so with that one, you have 40 uh, little miniature cats. They're in four different colors, three different poses, and you're trying to lure as many of those cats onto your property as possible. And you have two actions you can take. You can, and your possibilities are moving a cat one space or playing a card. And the cards are all these kind of like cat witticisms, you know, like, um, uh, like laser pointer. So you're like using a laser pointer to, um, lure cats from one area to the other. I can't remember now kind of where it is, but, but you want to, um, you want to move cats into like certain areas based on what your cards are so that you can really maximize the, the effects of those cards, but then you don't want to hang on to them too long because, you know, you're, that means you're not, you know, getting other cards. And so it's kind of this balance of, of, you know, how you're going to use your actions. And then, um, you get points based on where they're located. The further onto your property they're located, the more points you get. And then you also get points based on color combinations of cats. So it's kind of a fun little action point game with a little point salad to it. So, um, and then you know some some people buy it just for the cat minis alone. <laughs> I do <laughs> see really on cute. Amazon it says yeah. uh, that this is a a way to make meowvelous memories. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we played up the puns on that. Oh one, yeah, so. all the cards are cat puns and bad cat yeah. sayings. It's 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 a yeah. very silly game, but it's as they yeah. should be. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So that's um, your kitty kitty, and then uh, you were mentioning blimps. So we also have dastardly dirigibles, yeah. which um, is a really fun game. Um, it's a card game that Justin designed where. It's kind of set collection. You're building, you're each building a dirigible and it has, um, Justin, how many pieces is it? Seven? Uh, yeah, seven, seven pieces. pieces. Yeah. 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 And, um, you have nine different suits. And so you're trying to build an airship with those, those seven different pieces having the same, um, suit on them, um, as possible because you're going to score your highest volume, um, suit that that makes up your dirigible at the end so if you've got like you know and they're all steampunk related so you know if you have gears most of your cards are are in the gear suit then you're going to count up how many gears you have get two points for each of those and then a single point for any wild cards that you used to build your ship you also get points based on like if you're the first one to build it and then if you build it at all you can also try to go for um 
I'm forgetting the name of it, Justin. What is it called? It's a a muddle, um, right? A muddle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a muddle where you get each of the seven cards are in a different suit um, with no wild in it, and you score 20 points for that. So you can kind of you know try to try to go for that and score big, or you know just try to get as many of that same suit. So to me, the really fun mechanic um, with it is um, when you play a card to your airship, everyone else has to play that same part to their own play area. And so that can either help someone like if, if you thought ahead and you, you know, noticed like, okay, no one else has a nose cone. I've got the nose cone in the suit that I want. I'm not going to spend my actions putting it down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bet that someone else is going to put a nose cone and that's going to let me play mine. So I'm going to, you know, use these actions in these other ways. Mm-hmm. Or it might be, you know, like, okay, I have these pieces where I want them at, you know, late later game. It may be like, okay, I don't want to mess this up. And I'm left with, you know, if I, if I don't spend my actions like discarding these, then, you know, I can see someone else. Um, let's say it's a drive engine, you know, and I don't want to mess up my drive engine. And I've got two drive engines in my hand. So if someone else, you know, plays a drive engine that I'm going to have to like cough up that suit that I mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. want to keep. So it's your, it's not, you're playing not just your hand, but you're playing your next hand, you know, so in, in everyone else's hand, because you're waiting, it's, it's not just what you put out, it's what you have left in your hand at the end that will affect you. So mm-hmm. it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really fun game. So um, I, I really enjoy that one. That is one that I would like to reskin um, and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, have like a Santa sleigh or something where, you know, you're, you're building out Santa sleigh instead of the dirigible. So, because I, I mean, I think that some people love steampunk and some people are like, uh, you know, like it's a, it's a kind of a love or hate thing. So it'd be nice to have, you know, other themes that people could enjoy that, that game mechanic with i think so there are um, not enough christmas games so yeah, there you go yeah. <laughs> of course not <laughs> there be enough christmas games yeah <laughs> so i think that would be fun to add to that and so to me to my those are the standouts you know that we have we also have string and majig which is a really fun party game we launched that during the pandemic um which was <laughs> party game time was to you know that. Yes. i have heard yes. that a lot about party yeah. games yeah we figured yes. that since nobody's allowed to see each other in person we would launch a party game yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. great business decision yeah we had already we had already sunk so much marketing into oh, yeah. it and so sure. like you know it was too much you know it was too too hard to kind of unwind everything yeah. you know so we're like well we're just gonna dump it out there and see what it-. i mean we we did um you know show how you could play it virtually you know but right, um yeah so i mean i think that helped it i mean we sold half the print run so so that was good <laughs> you know um i and i think honestly it could be relaunched you know um to show people kind of how to play it's a, it's such a fun game it's a it's basically a Stringamajig is a, a combination of like charades and Pictionary. So you have this, this loop, this string that you're trying to um, uh, make form into a word that you're trying to get everyone else to guess, you know? So mm-hmm. like it might, say if it's butterfly, you know, I might kind of um, divide the loop in half and, you know, have kind of like the, the middle of the, the butterfly on the table and then try to show like how the wings are moving, you yeah, know, flap, so the, wings it, flap yeah. the wings or something, you know, so movement is really important to the game. It's not just, you know, trying to be an expert, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, no one can draw with the string. Don't, <laughs> no don't even pretend draw. to. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> that, that's the whole point. We had a couple of reviewers say, does this look like a teddy bear to you? And it was just flat static picture. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't understand the game at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that didn't help either. But let's see, Justin, are there some others that you 
uh, want to mention that we've, well, I mean, we've got other things. We have Grackles, which is an yeah. abstract game. It's a, it kind of mm-hmm. feels a bit like a Go or Othello, where you're putting out uh, colored bird pieces onto tiles that have four different colors. And the whole idea is you want to make a line of birds. And on your turn, you're either placing a new tile that everyone can start putting birds on, or you're putting a bird down. So there's a nice strategy of what am I offering to the other players versus what can I get before they get to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And you it, you build out the build the board as you go. So it starts out with simply two starting tiles. Then uh, the board can only be five tiles in any direction. So it's got a neat sense of, of oh, I'm going to push out this way because you're going to pre- take that spot over there, which means I get these three in a row, and you can extend your lines to make them longer and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun strategy game. When we first got that pitch to us, I kind of fell in love with it, and um, I'm glad yeah. we made that one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, and then and bears, bears, our dice bears, game. Yeah, Emery yeah. made a game called Bears, which was pretty <laughs> hilarious, where you've all gone camping and bears invaded the campsite. And as all gamers know, the only way to survive something like that is to roll dice. So that's what yeah, the game is. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just sense. a dice game, too. And yeah. you literally are rolling. It's a real-time game, so there's a bunch of dice in the middle that will show either a tent or a bear, and that's your campsite. And then everybody has their own set of dice that they roll, and it all happens at the same time. The white dice get dumped in the middle, and the black dice get rolled by everybody, and you're frantically making pairs. So you'll grab one of the camp dice out of the middle, pair it with one of your dice set that aside and try and do that again and there's different combinations you can get where you either try and like chase off the bears run away from the bears or you try sleeping in the tent and that's where the real twist of the game is because the pile in the middle is only going to be like i said bears or tents that's our campsite and what's going to happen is somebody's going to take the last either bear or tent leaving only one face showing when that one face is showing that's the end of the game or end of the round yell bears and you stop and then you score it up um you'll always get one point for chasing the bear off and two points for running away but if you slept and there's no bears left. You did it. Slacking pays off. You get five points for every sleeper <laughs> that you paired with the tent. But if you slept and there's bears left, they eat you in your sleep. And it's minus two for each one. So there's sure. this really fun little like, it, imagine playing spoons with consequences. It's kind of like the way I like to describe it. It's very fast, very quick, super silly. And the, my favorite part is we've taken it camping a couple of times. And let me tell you, nothing is quite as fun as having your neighbors wonder why you keep screaming bears in the middle of the road. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so good. So good. That sounds like a camping adventure for us next here. Yes, yeah. and it's small yeah. too. It's a tiny yeah. little game. If yeah. it's really easy, yeah. Okay. And then yeah, the one, we, yeah, oh, we can't forget. We can't forget uh, my first Castle Panic too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Yes. I needed yeah. to ask about that. Uh, also, yeah. a little bit of where that came from. <laughs> when we first that, were like, but you can play Castle Panic with little kids, and yeah. while you can, my first Castle Panic is so much of a better fit. I, yes. I, I, I want to yes. say before you talk about my first Castle Panic, <laughs> when our I guess he was what three or four i think mm. when mm-hmm. when you sent us a copy for review mm-hmm. it, w- the first day that i came out he's like no 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 i'm playing this alone yeah. I'm like <laughs> okay then yeah. so, well, i was like weeping tears of joy yeah yeah our, our youngest is a monster i mean i love him like don't right. get me wrong but, like <laughs> he's so different from our other two he's a, ma- <laughs> he's a maniac right yeah right? he was like no i'm gonna sit quietly on the floor and play this this board game mom and dad you guys can go go do whatever you want i'm like i'm gonna right. go have a coffee yeah, on especially board, at that age like yeah. he was willing to sit down and play a board game and right. it was yeah. one thing you could do to keep him from basically climbing the walls yeah uh, yeah yeah but that meant that you like you were fully involved yeah that's what you're doing yeah. um and so finding something that was calm and peaceful and that he was perfectly happy to do by himself for like oh, 20 so good was amazing yes. yeah yes. We, we, yes. we worked hard on that that was awesome <laughs> yeah so good yeah so, we, um, so the way it originated is um we had kind of a list of like okay where do we want to take this world of castle panic next and we made this long list of things we could do and um we ran it by um retailers in our retailer facebook group and they like all were like 
we want a preschool version, you know, and, and we were kind of surprised at how like strong that reaction was. It was like, even before deluxe, they were like, we want this preschool version. And so I'm like, Hey, they're on the front line selling every day. Like we're going to trust their viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, so Justin like got to work with like how to simplify, you know, the basic mechanics of Castle Panic and bring it down to like a real um, like four-year-old level, you know, and um, like three, four-year-old level. And so he got it where, you know, well, we, and I should say that we played a bunch of preschool games. We played, you know, all of like Catan Junior. To oh, yeah. Ride my junior, first, the Junior. My first, yeah. All of those like Peaceable Kingdom, like those co-op mm-hmm. games and stuff too. And we really felt like the games that kind of came, like the Peaceable Kingdom games and the, um, you know, the other kind of mass market games that are designed for preschool were actually seemed like too easy for the um, skill level of a four-year-old. And, but we felt like the Catan Jr. and my first ticket to ride were a little too hard. We felt mm-hmm. like they're like, we were like people making games for preschoolers were kind of really missing the sweet spot, you know, of, of the skill set for kids. You know, and we felt like if you're doing that and, and you're really trying to get in the zone, you know, like we all want to mm-hmm. get in this, you know, we want a game that, you know, matches our wit, you know? And so we felt like we really needed to nail that for the preschooler. And so, you know, just, Justin did like bang up job, just like right out of the gate with that. And then we took it to daycare centers and we sent it to um, uh, like a black and white print and play for, you know, like 50 homes across the country to, to play with their preschoolers to give us feedback and everything. And um, first of all, from the 50 homes, like they told us once they put it up, they could never put it away. Like they <laughs> had to leave it like on the kitchen table because kids wanted to play it before school and like after or, you know, daycare or whatever, you know, wherever they were going, they just insisted playing it every time they were home. And and then when we were at the daycare centers, you know, we had organized these little groups. We thought we'll have, you know, four playing at a time. I think there were 20 kids there and we'll have these five little groups and it'll just be 20 minutes a piece. So we got the first four. Justin ran through like how to play. The first person took their turn. They all started yelling to the other kids. You've got to come play this game. This is so much fun. You know, and so they were teaching each other. We didn't have to say a word the rest of the time. They were teaching each other. They were taking turns. They were like, I mean, it was just they owned it from the beginning. And that's awesome. the thing. You know, I mean, we, they played three hours straight. There's only one little kid that like at one point wandered off to read a book, you know, and, <laughs> and that was like, you know, an hour later. And uh, they kept playing. The only reason they stopped was parents came to pick them up, you know, the nice. and then the daycare owner was like, I I got to like clean up. I got to wash dishes. I got to, like, you know, she was like, this is amazing. You know? And that's what we've seen. Like when we have conventions and we're selling my first castle panic, like we'll have like parents number of times some you know there's been a preschooler sleep on a shoulder and they say hey look it's my first castle panic they just light up they like suddenly they're awake and they're lunging for the game they're like my game my game they call it my my castle panic instead of my first yeah. castle panic so yeah so we're really happy with how that turned oh i do want to tell one more story about that game we had someone in um in london contact us um because they they were playing at um a church function and there was a kid that was there that had been mute for now i forget two or three years mm-hmm. and when they started putting the monsters in the dungeon he kept saying dungeon dungeon like every time and they were like everyone was thrilled like he's saying talking he went home and he talked for like three hours about playing that game and everything that they, it was the first time he'd spoken in like two or three years so um, that incredible. was super, super that, hard. Like the kind of thing yeah. that'll make you cry. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah it's it really did. amazing. It we were we were bawling a lot time. that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> That's amazing. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, that one's doing really well for us. It's it's yeah. super fun, and I love that you know we can see that it's doing everything we wanted it to. It's it's teaching kids the skill sets they need to learn. They're being able to do it by themselves. That was a really big thing. Is we wanted to be like they should be able to learn the iconography. There's no reading. You're just yeah. matching shapes and colors yeah. and go yeah. for it. And yeah. it worked. We we've seen them yeah. do that. It's been super fun. Yeah. We have a couple of our kids ones we're tinkering with, but that's still yeah. our big one. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer to the question about, you know, why my first when you they can play Castlevania, they can only play Castlevania with help. They can play right. my first independently. Right. And that's right. the big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we kind of tried to express that a little bit when we wrote out our review for the game as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. teaching kids how to play board games, like like I said earlier, we get that question of how do you get your kids to like board games? But I think one of the big things that I, a lot of gamers miss mm-hmm. is that if you're teaching, especially younger kids, how to play board games, you have to teach them things like how to take turns. Yes. Right. That's how right. to do like, your card. Fundamental yes. things uh-huh. that uh-huh. go into it that we don't yeah. even really think about. Right. Like, right. I mean, right. well, you, I guess you wouldn't know it if you're driving on the highway, but like taking turns is something that people ostensibly know how to do. Yeah. Right. But, but, you know, Castle Panic, uh, my first Castle Panic does a really good job of, of helping kids through that because you know, they want to take their turn, but they know that their friend has to go before mm-hmm. they can go and yeah. stuff like that. Plus, yeah. any game that involves basically cleaning up as part of the mechanics of the game. Yeah. <laughs> extra point in our book. Exactly. exactly. Extra point in our book. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yep. yep. You take it all out and you put it all away. And we have to credit. I wish I knew his name. We have to credit um, one of the playtesters that was part of those 50 families you know, mm-hmm. that we sent the print and play to. It, that was one of the points of feedback that came back that they wanted d- Dungeon you know, to throw the monsters into, and then Justin came up with the idea of making it the bottom of the box so that yeah. you're putting the game away. They're literally putting it away, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing that might have come originally from Go Away Monster, because huh? they explicitly have you do that in the Go Away Monster game. Oh. Oh. When you draw a monster, which you don't want, uh-huh. they you'll go away and throw them. <laughs> and, and you throw them back into the box. Which oh, is, which okay. Very good. Like, like, that's written into the rules, uh-huh. but... You know, it's one of those things where as a parent, you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Like kids mm-hmm. can be not violent exactly, but they can yeah. they can express yeah. some of that yeah. negative Ener- energy energetic. by doing that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But they also have a goal like you're not just throwing it on the floor mm-hmm. or behind you right. or whatever, because yeah. anybody who's spent significant time with three, four or five year olds knows that yeah. they're just as likely to do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So giving them a specific target is super helpful. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and that's kind of one of those things too, where um, when we were thinking, like you were going back to like their skill sets and and what you have to teach a child who's literally learning all the basics. We took out the whole trade mechanic and just made it an ask for help because trade is such a negotiation. You, you yeah. also have to. Mm-hmm. Both of you have to understand the strategy needed to understand why the trade's important. There's mm-hmm. all these steps. There's all this cognitive reasoning that they're not usually, if they are there, it's going to take them a while to process that. And we're like, no, yeah. fun, 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 fast, fast, fast. That's what mm-hmm. we wanted. So yep. the yeah. whole idea of yeah. look around, if anybody else can make a match, you can ask for help and they can play on their mm-hmm. turn. Also, everyone's engaged. You're always right. able to watch what someone else is doing in your yeah. turn. And we all, a lot of times when we're playing, we'll see one kid really loves to throw the monsters away. Mm-hmm. The other one's really good at moving mm-hmm. them. So they'll sort of share yeah. those jobs yeah. kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's also a, a social, emotional, like development need at that age yeah. too. You know, like they tend to scream and cry instead of asking for help, you know, right. so if we can help, you know, those kids learn that to reminder, help. Oh, you can ask for yeah. help. Yes. Exactly. Not, not just, I can't exactly. do it. You can't do it, yeah. but maybe you can get help. Yeah. Cause we yes. see that a lot too. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that's a really great mechanic that in general, that idea of helping like we saw that in Quest Kids as well. I don't know if you've ever seen that game, Mm -mm. but in Quest Mm -hmm. Kids, there's this idea where if you need a helping hand to defeat a monster, 
someone can add one of their cards to the bunch for the combat and they nice. get an extra perk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they well. get rewarded for doing that. Right. So, so it's even better. It nice. Yeah. In that, like, oh, this helps everybody. Yep, it's nice. good. Yeah, it's good. That's yeah. so good. We can all use a little bit of that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> everybody needs somebody sometimes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the one we should talk about because we've been hinting at it all day and we'll leave your listeners very confused is Hot Shots. Oh, yes. The firefighting yes. element. Yes. So, um, yeah, Hot Shots is one. Oh, man. Hot Shots goes back a long time. I was working on Hot Shots for a while until because I love the idea of of wildfire fighting. I was fascinated by it. I've always thought it's just this wild thing. Emery actually brought home, she used to work in an educational publishing house, and she brought home this like basic reader for what, like eight-year-olds or something? I don't even know what it was <laughs> it, for. it was a bunch of like leveled readers, and uh, actually this one, it was like appropriate for like an eighth grader, but it was written like at a first grade level, so it's an eighth mm-hmm. grader who, you know, is having struggling reading. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, I wasn't thrilled with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, was, it was just so like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about this. And I knew about like various bits of tech they use, but I never I never really looked into how it all works. So I immediately went down a huge rabbit hole, read books. I was watching videos. I was reading forums and stuff about how it worked. And it just was so fascinating, the mm-hmm. the, the, the strategy and the concept of how you fight a wildfire and how you what you have to sacrifice to, to stop a fire from spreading. Immediately, my brain went game, 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 game. I can totally do this. And started working on that. It immediately got to that point where it was good but not working. And that was right about the time when people were saying, we really want a zombie version of Castle Panic. So it's like, okay, well, let me work on that instead because I've kind of hit a wall with this firefighting one. Years go by and we dig uh, the game out again. And now I've become a better designer. Time has passed. It stewed for a bit. And all of a sudden, like, boom, 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 we start fixing the problems. Playtest, playtest, work, work, work. But the idea being it's cooperative. You're all playing as a team of hotshots. That's what they call the actual firefighters that go out and do the fighting. They call them hotshots. Mm-hmm. You have special tools that are your dice that you roll. And every tile in the game, because it's some of the tiles are like Catan. You can set it out any way you want. Every tile has a limit to how many flame tokens can be on it. And the flame tokens are these really sweet orange semi-translucent plastic flames that look really, really cool. Every tile has a limit like that. The game starts with summon fire, and it spreads very naturally through a deck of fire cards that will involve wind and embers spreading and starting fires. So you can sort of plan like, okay, if the wind blows this way, this fire is going to spread this way. What do we want to do? And you can put fire breaks out, etc. But it's all done with a pressure-like dice engine where you're trying to score as many of the right faces you need because every tile on the board has a sort of recipe it needs to fight that fire. Um, the more dice you can put towards that recipe, the more you're going to reduce the flames or just a, 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 a not so great success gets you a, a little bit of a fire break. And the better you are, you take more flames off. Then you can you can also get power ups by doing this. But you ha- so you're running around being strategic, also rolling dice. But you really do have to think about the whole board because the fire spreads very organically. You need to get ahead of it, but you also need to be behind it, cleaning it up. There are places mm-hmm. on the board that will have repercussions if they explode there is a one-time use uh canadair uh, t- water tanker like we were talking about at the beginning of the show that comes in and flies and drops water there's a uh uh what's the other one there's a helicopter that can do a bucket drop or a bambi bucket as they call it uh and then there's the uh the oh, i forget what it, the term is but there's the ground truck the fire truck they use it's the off-road four by four fire truck that can go in there and spray things down mm-hmm. It's cooperative, so there's things like if you're on the same site with someone, they'll protect you from busting one time, because that's really what messes you up. When you get too greedy and you bust, the flames get out of control, because it simulates the idea that the either the firefighters took too long or got too cocky thinking they could let something slide, and it gets out of control. The game did pretty well for us when it came out, but it was ki- it came out at a time when in the industry there was this sense of one and done. Every game gets one printing and that's it. And the game did well and then started to slow a bit. And we were like, "Uh uh-oh, we're in that one and done phase. We should probably move on. And we did. And we were a little too early, I think, because we've had a ton of people want that game back. It is our Mm -hmm. single most requested game. 
And no spoilers, but we're working on bringing it back. I'm not quite sure when we'll get to it, but it is going to come out. Uh, probably going to be a Kickstarter with an expansion and a second edition, but we'll see. That's that's definitely on our radar to work forward towards. But one of the things that got me with that one that was so fun is um, after it came out, I started getting emails from actual firefighters. They all want to know, first off, are you a firefighter? Which I thought was so cool. I mean, <laughs> and if they're then, asking that question, it means you did your research, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And several of them were like, can we get copies for training? And like, we're, like this is what? such a good like simulation yeah. of how to handle the thinking behind a fire. Not necessarily, you don't roll dice to put out a fire, but like understanding why wind matters and why fire breaks go here and stuff. Mm. It was so cool. I've had a bunch of people wow. like that uh, reach out to us. I uh, ran into a, a lady at a uh, convention who was a park ranger and she was like, you don't understand how many copies of this game I need. <laughs> so, yeah, that was really, really fun. So that one will be making a return at some point. It's currently awesome. out of print right now, but we, we have plans for that one. Yeah. Stay yeah. tuned. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess my last question before we wrap things up, and you, you kind of just did a little bit of a tease, and we had a little bit of a tease at the beginning of the show, is um, what's next? For Fireside, I mean, <laughs> now that now that the deluxe edition is out, uh, right. Castle Panic and the big box is out, and the and the wood yeah. edition and all this stuff, yeah. right? What's next? I, well, yeah, we'll we'll give some hints. Like, and and one I think we can talk about because we announced it um, a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we are we are working on Ham Helsing, mm. which is a, it's a cooperative game. Um, based on the graphic novel Ham Helsing, which is about a vampire hunting pig and, you know, re- a reluctant vampire hunting pig. <laughs> yeah, it comes Naturally. from a long line of vampire hunters. And um, everyone has, like, died these horrible, like, through these horrible mishaps while, you know, while trying to hunt vampires. And uh, so he just wants to read all day. But he's, you know, the villagers, you know, people are dying. And so these, the villagers have asked, you know, Ham to come out. And, and uh, so he, you know, he has his gang that uh, he goes, you know, to, to hunt down, you know, who's causing this chaos. And, and uh, so in the game, uh, you know, again, it's cooperative. So each person, each character has a special ability and you're um, going to different locations and, um you have to fight off these minions that the monster is sending out, you know, to, to wreak havoc, you know, so that they can do their thing. So you're trying to slay all these minions, which also uh, gives you the ability to buy cards. So there's a card crafting element to it. So you've got this, you know, customized deck and then you're trying to further customize it so that um, you can slay more of these minions so that by the time you're ready to really fight that boss monster, you've got, you know, really nicely crafted deck that you can go up against the monster with. And uh, one of the fun things is as you're slaying these, the the minions, you're also gaining, there are four different colors of the minions and some are uh, piebald. So you've got the two different colors and not only do you get, you know, money for slaying those minions um, that the villagers, I guess, are paying you for, um, you also are gaining expertise in those colors. So as you level up in those colors, you can get to a point where you basically get a free shot, you know, in one of those colors. So, or a free attack. So, and then you've got, you know, attacks and defenses and you've got, what's the name of the, of the guy that comes out? The, the bear, Justin? Oh, Knuckles. Yeah. Knuckles. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So in the book, before they ask him to help Knuckles, you know, this big bear who's actually pretty cowardly has been hired to help, but you know, he, he gets scared away by the monsters. And so he can help in the game also, but only a limited amount. He can slay two of the minions, but if they're more than that, he gets scared away, you know? So yeah. if you, you want to kind of use him strategically to slay two and then stand 
guard to ward off any monsters from there. And and there's also kind of a pressure luck thing where not only do you want to slay these minions to try to uh, gain money for the card crafting and also for gaining the abilities and leveling up, but um, you also want to keep each of those locations from being overrun by minions because if they're overrun, then there are like, I think it's five different areas that are on the monster board and for every area that's overrun, you reveal one of those and the monster um, gets uh, more difficult to defeat. And if you get to the point where there are no more of those uh, areas to reveal and for the monster to power up and you would and you have another area that is overrun, then you lose the game. So it's kind of a, another lose condition as well. So. Yeah, I just it's been a blast playing. We played it at Gamma with a with a group of retailers and got great feedback. We played it at a gathering of friends and you know got a lot of great feedback. So it's been we've been fine tuning it, you know, everywhere we've gone. So mm-hmm. I think it's in a really good place right now. So that'll be a Kickstarter early next year. So right. yeah, cool. yeah. And then we have a fun little card game that we're working on. Um, I won't say more than that about it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so much for my investigative reporting chops, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> memory's too hard enough to crack. That's right. Yeah, I'll, I'll never get her to talk. Right. I'll, I'll get after Justin. Maybe, maybe Gamma next year. Yeah. But, but, well, hopefully, we should have these to show before long. So yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, keep us in mind. That's all I'll say. Definitely. Oh, for definitely. sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been super fun. Super fun to have you guys on, and I know we've been kind of trying to get this together for a while. So I'm, I'm glad that we could make it work. <laughs> I mean, Castle Panic has been part of our lives for, you know, over a decade, like I said before, and um, we're just super thankful for, you know, everything that you guys have done. You're so fun to talk to. And we had a great time talking (laughs) last year at Gamma and just glad to be able to make this work. Where can people find your stuff? Obviously, they can go to firesidegames.com. But um, are you on social media? Where can people reach out if they want to, you know, tell you what they think? Absolutely. Yeah. We're on uh, TikTok and Facebook. Um, we're on threads, uh, Instagram. Um, we are, we are on Twitter, but we have like mixed feelings about that. Um, so, <laughs> so I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird trying to think about Twitter right now, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would say I'm mostly active on um, mm-hmm. Facebook and, mm-hmm. and TikTok or kind of, those are the ones I enjoy the most. So they're probably the most fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And is that uh-huh. just at Fireside Games? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. At Fireside right. Games. Yeah. Perfect. Manisha, what about us? Where can people find us on all the places? Uh, well, you can find us uh, at thefamilygamers.com, uh, where you will find a complete set of show notes for this episode and you can also go all the way back to episode one where we Ooh. also talk about castle panic yeah, that's true that's true yeah. we, we, like wax poetic on castle panic for like 10 minutes on the very first episode the of the very show. First oh i love it i love oh, it how fun oh, circle really is complete cringy free music and and the whole shebang <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we didn't have we didn't that's have permission great. to use the you red raptors music yet yeah. so we have this right. like yeah. weird yeah. like banjo yeah i don't know thing. i don't even know i don't know what it is you it should all go back and listen to it just for the ridiculous i mean right music. now i think you have to at this point yeah. you sold me yeah. <laughs> but in addition to our website you can find us on social media on facebook and twitter or x or whatever it's called now and threads and instagram and tiktok at family gamers aa for andrew and anitra mm-hmm. you can also find us on youtube at family gamers aa or just the family gamers and you can continue the conversation in our Facebook community, which is called the Family Gamers Community. <laughs> Listen, 
Listen. <laughs> Original or not, that's fine. I don't have a degree in marketing. Memorable. Okay? <laughs> it's easy to search for. It works good. The Family Gamers, the Family Gamers podcast, the Family Gamers community. It's a, it's yeah, a brand. It's, I, I I, I, it's easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so head over to Facebook and just search for the Family Gamers community or you can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community and it'll bring you right there. If you don't like social media, you can also email us though. You can find me at... <laughs> Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. You can find me at Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. It's getting into holiday season. It's certainly starting to be hoodie weather. I actually did put on a hoodie briefly today. I'm still wearing one. So if you <laughs> would like your 80. very own Family Gamers branded hoodie, you can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, all that stuff. Leggings, mugs. Yeah, there's leggings. Maybe and a tote mugs bag, and NPR style. I don't weird know. Things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't forget to subscribe to the Family Gamers podcast. Tell your friends about it and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. You can find us on Amazon Music. You can find us on TuneIn. You can find us on Spotify. You can ask your smart speaker to play the Family Gamers podcast, Mm. which I like to do because it's weird. Like, hey, Siri, (laughs) play the Family Gamers podcast. And then she does. And it's so cool. cool. Oh, my phone just responded to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Good job. Good job. I should have let it go to see if it would actually do it, but I stopped it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's pretty much that. And the Family Gamers podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. Head over to firstmovefinancial.com slash family gamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points and maybe some fire breaks and some other things, depending on the game maybe. or some guitar <laughs> yeah. and mortar, whatever it's got to be. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So thanks so much to the team over there. It's true that we could not do some of the things that we do without their help. So we really do appreciate them. Thanks again, Justin and Anne Marie. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank, Thank you. you we really us. enjoyed it. Yeah. This yeah. was a blast. Awesome. And thanks to everyone who listened. We hope that you enjoyed it as well. And you should go to firesidegames.com and pick up some fun and great and amazing stuff. But if you do buy Castle Panic Deluxe, don't show it to me because then I'll be jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And lift with your legs. That's the important part. Right. Lift with your legs. That's very important. Remember to to tighten your core. (laughs) So until next week, everybody, play Play games games with your kids. kids.